But, you know, I was really, I was kind of like channeling my inner Kevin and I was like, well, I'm just going to, I'm going to ask for the gift anyway. So I did, I asked him for $5,000 and he told me, you know, actually I was thinking more like 10, but since you asked for five, I'll give you five. I didn't even really know what to say. I mean, what do you say after that? I don't know. Yeah. That's the kind of thing. It's like, if you're, <laughs> if you were going to give more, if I would have asked for more, just don't tell me. That's <laughs> just like, <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I know. Cause now I have like a few things to be worried about. Like if you had just said yes, no problem. I would have been like, Oh great. Oh my gosh. The coffee didn't affect anything. But. And I was going to give 15000 if they would have had my yeah. dang drip coffee. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. Welcome back to One Visit Away with your host, Kevin Fitzpatrick. This show focuses on true stories of philanthropy in order to understand what it takes to succeed in major gift fundraising. Listen to these stories and you'll realize you're just one visit away from a transformational experience for your benefactors and your organization. This week's episode is one I am very excited about. So far, most of my guests on One Visit Away have been from large organizations that have budgets in the tens of millions of dollars and have large development staffs. The stories they have all provided are extremely helpful and encouraging, but many of us working in development work for very small organizations where we are the only development person on staff. Which brings me to our guest. Val Herbachik is the Director of Development at Birth Choice of Dallas. She has worked in development since 2016 for two different organizations in DFW. She is passionate about development, particularly major gift fundraising at small organizations. She is a University of Dallas alumna and is married to a UD alumnus. They have one son, Damien, who you will hear about later in this episode, and how he has assisted Val in fundraising. Birth Choice is a pregnancy help center that Heroic Media partners with, and because of this, I have provided some coaching to Val to help Birth Choice increase their revenue. She has done an incredible job over the past couple of years. I greatly admire her willingness to schedule visits and make asks. Major gift fundraising is very simple, but that doesn't mean it's easy. Most people don't have success simply because they don't want to schedule visits and make asks. Val has not had this problem. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Well, thanks for being on the show, Val. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited. If you could just very briefly give everyone a little bit of a background of how you got into development and your current role at Birth Choice. Yeah, so I'm the director of development um, at Birth Choice. And the way I got into development is really strange, which I think kind of happens to a lot of people. Um, I was working for my alma mater's study abroad campus in Rome. And uh, they were basically at the time that I was phasing out of that role, they were starting an expansion plan um, for that study abroad campus. So the president of the university at the time asked me if I would be interested in essentially spearheading that campaign. Um, and it worked out great because I was leaving Rome looking for a job. And so it kind of was like a great, it was a really easy um, first job to, to have. So that's what I did uh, for, I think it was about two years, maybe, maybe closer to a year and a half, actually. Um, and that was kind of my first entry into development. And then I really enjoyed it a lot. Um, and had been volunteering at Birth Choice as a client advocate, which is what we call our counselors. So they, I knew that their director of development at the time was phasing out. So then there was a great opportunity for me to get more involved in pro-life work, which was uh, really where my passion was. So that's kind of what led me to Birth Choice. And what was the, I guess, what was your experience going from a much larger organization, University of Dallas with like, you know, I think their annual budget is in the tens of millions and yeah, uh, in terms of the entire school and hundreds mm -hmm. of staff members down to a, a tiny organization where you were the one development person. What was that yeah. transition like? It was a really big one. I, I think the, the thing that can get really tricky about being in a small organization. So for example, with birth choice, um, I am the development team. There's just a director of development and that's it. And so I think one of the challenges that can come with that is your, you want to do so much. And especially because I hadn't really been in development for all that long, 
it was really difficult for me in the beginning to kind of um, decide what my focus was going to be because at UD, we did so many different things because we had a big enough development office to handle it all. So things like um, letters, appeal letters, and there was definitely major gift fundraising happening, which I did a little bit of, but it, that wasn't my sole responsibility. Um, things like, you know, big events, UD had big events all the time. So then when I came to birth choice, I kind of, in my mind, I was supposed to do all of those things still because it was still development. And now I was just having to do them on a smaller scale. So it was definitely an adjustment in terms of figuring out what I need to prioritize as the only person in development and learning because I was still pretty new to the field, learning, okay, if there's only one person doing development, what is the most important, most effective, fastest way to make sure that birth choice, um, you know, has the funds we need to, to do the work that we're doing. So that took some time for sure. Um, and I would say that was definitely like the biggest adjustment going, you know, from a large team in the advancement office at UD to a one person team at birth choice. So you mentioned it took you a while to find the best method where you should be spending your most focus. What did you find was the best approach? Yeah. So I had a couple of mentors when I first started birth choice, including you, Kevin, um, who helped, who really helped to guide me in the direction of major gift fundraising, basically being the, the number one priority. I obviously still did other things and there were still, you know, really some really important aspects of the job that didn't really fall under the major gift category, but to really spend the majority of my time on major gift fundraising. And it was effective, I mean, for a number of reasons, but I think especially when there's one person, it's so much easier, more productive, um, faster to have a lunch or a breakfast with someone that results in a major gift than it is to, you know, invest all of my time as a one person office in, you know, planning this huge event or something that, you know, maybe raises more than that one lunch raised, but the, the opportunity cost is so much lower. So that was really helpful when I started having the kind of mentorship to show me that that was really where a focus, where the focus should be. And probably, I mean, I think that's true with any development office, but I think especially with a one person show, it feels like you have to do, you know, 10 different kinds of things that a bigger development office does, you know, day to day. Um, so to really kind of learn that major gift fundraising would be the most effective use of my time was super helpful. Obviously, when I asked you that question, I <laughs> assumed that would be your answer. Uh, you said I guided you, but I probably more brainwashed you because I uh, I have very strong opinions about things. But yeah, I mean, I think the the idea that so many times, and one of the reasons I really wanted to interview you and have you on the show is because some of the other uh, guests we've had are working for huge organizations and raising tons of money, but most of us in development work for really small organizations. And we need to make these kinds of decisions because it's not its not when you're the one person uh, team, do I do major gifts really well and events really well and uh, email campaigns and direct mail really well. It's not, you, you cannot do all of those things really well. And so you have to make decisions or you can just kind of do everything. And yeah, f focusing on major gifts is exactly what you said. You can you can just visit with somebody and they can decide to give you $5,000, $10,000, $50,000. And whereas you could have put on an event and raised the same amount of money, but it required months of work and so many meetings and so many volunteers. And I think especially if you could talk some about how uh, having a son who was with you, I think on some of your visits and spending time at the office, how, how that plays in as well. I think that will be very interesting to, to some of the moms who are out there doing this kind of work. Yeah. So for a little bit of background, um, 
Birth Choice is a pro-life pregnancy clinic. And uh, the executive director at the time, who's no longer with us, um, he and I both had children around the same age. One, Each of us had a son around the same age. And so Birth Choice started a nursery in-house. So we had this kind of dead space that wasn't really being used. So we turned it into a nursery that was primarily for staff, but it was also for, you know, volunteers, like moms who wanted to volunteer, spend some time at birth choice, but had children that they couldn't leave at home. So it was to kind of give them um, a way to be able to offer their time to birth choice. So that worked out great. That was, I mean, such an amazing gift. So I brought my son, Damien, uh, to work with me every day. Um, It was not ideal at times. (laughs) He's extremely... Um, he's extremely social, so he really likes being out and about. And the, I would pass the nursery on the way from, um, my office to the reception area. So if I were meeting a benefactor to give a tour, I I would pass the nursery and many times it would be a problem because Damien would want to come with me. So sometimes it worked out great and he was, you know, well-behaved enough, but there was one, um, visit in particular that I had been trying to meet with this person for a while. And finally it happened and he came with his wife, really nice older couple. And thankfully I wasn't, this was more of an introductory visit. So it's not like I had this huge ask planned or anything like that, but um, (laughs) Damien had to come on the tour, of course. And when I put him back in the nursery, he lost his mind. He was so upset. So they told me, because I think they have grandkids. So they told me, oh, it's okay. You know, you can take him um, into your office with us. It's totally fine. Really sweet. And in my mind, I was like, oh, shoot. I would have rather him, like, have him cry for just, like, a couple minutes and then be okay (laughs) than have him be in on this visit. But, okay, now I don't want to look like a bad mom. So I took him in. And he was just a disaster the entire time. Like he wanted to leave. He was like crying. I kept trying to distract him with like paper or random things. And it was my office. I don't have anything kid friendly in there. Um, So it didn't go well. It was extremely distracting. They were super gracious, of course, but it was extremely distracting. And um, definitely did not end the way I was hoping. Anyway, it was just too distracting. So Pros and cons for sure. I loved overall having, I mean, of course I loved being close to him for sure, but it wasn't this like idyllic, like, you know, I say bye to him and then I, my work is really easy to get done. It was, there were definitely complications, but yeah. yeah. So did that, uh, did the older couple, did they ever wind up giving a gift to birth choice? Do you know? They did. Yeah. So they started giving a monthly gift, which was really, really nice. So it, I think, and I, I think this is the thing. I mean, all of these, all of the people that I'm talking with, all of the benefactors that I'm working with, they're all pro-life. Most of them like extremely pro-life. This is, you know, one of the biggest passions for them. So seeing a baby, even if it's a baby that's misbehaving so much, I mean, I've just never had an, a negative reaction to me having Damien. And I think the support for young moms and just kind of the understanding, the empathy. I mean, this couple, for example, they had kids of their own. Now they had grandkids. So it's not like they were unaware of how babies act, you know? So even if I might be embarrassed, there was so much understanding and empathy on the part of the benefactors that it was really, it was, it was very much like a personal insecurity and not something where a benefactor made me feel uncomfortable because, you know, my son was there. In fact, they, Loved it. And I mean, I remember someone was a benefactor was giving me a tour of his workplace and he was whole. I brought Damien because of our childcare situation and he held Damien the entire time. And it was such a sweet moment. Like they just I think it makes the relationship so much more um, meaningful and deep when they're when they're aware of those kinds of aspects of your personal life. It's not just this professional relationship, you really get to know them, you know, person to person. Um, and I think Damien really helped to kind of build that bridge in certain cases. Yeah, for sure. I, I completely agree with that. I think the exactly what you said, making the relationship more meaningful, making it just more real is the the word that comes to my mind. And and just for for everybody's encouragement, almost every person I've ever met with 
is exactly the kind of person that would totally be okay with like your kid coming along or Mm -hmm. just, I think we have this idea of, man, I'm going to meet this person who's like so wealthy and everything's got to be perfect and I've got to be wearing the right clothes and I've got to be saying everything exactly right. And that's just not true. Like most of these people, people who give away a lot of money are generous people and they're loving, friendly, caring people. And, uh, those things do do not just like, oh man, you know, she brought her baby along with her. And so I'm so upset and we're not going to, we're not going to help now. Uh, so I think, I think that's a great encouragement. So uh, I, so I like that story with the, with Damien's assistance. Are there, you had some stories in mind. Uh, are there a particular favorite visit you've had in your career that you'd like to share? Gosh, I, I've loved so many of them, but if there's, so I was thinking about, um, but when you invited me to be on the podcast, I was thinking about kind of common threads that have happened, um, in some visits. So hopefully I'm not jumping into something like that too early. Um, but one of the things I was thinking about with some of the most effective visits that I've had, and I, I think this is really, really, really important, especially if you're just starting out in development They've been the visits that came from a thank you phone call. So this happened both at the University of Dallas and many times at Birth Choice. Um, And I could give, I mean, I could give so many examples, but some of the most significant ones um, are the ones where, so uh, North Texas Giving Day, for anyone who's not from the Dallas area, it's basically... um, uh, giving Tuesday, but for local organizations to the, in the DFW area. And, um, one of our now, um, really big benefactors gave a $1,000 gift. I had never seen his name before. Um, didn't know who he was, but I was going through a list calling everyone, um, to say thank you. And I asked him if we could set up a visit and he was, you know, super responsive and kind and, uh, wanted to learn more about birth choice. So, we visited over coffee. I had no plans for an ask. It was not, it was really just getting to know him, finding out how he heard about birth choice. And, um, the visit was great. It was really nice. And he called me the next day to tell me, um, that he was going to send me $10,000, um, for this, to help with this kind of Christmas, um, like feel good community, community event that we had coming up. Um, so that's like the perfect example to me of how it's not always, it's not always like the visits that you go into with this concrete plan of, you know, what you're going to say and how you're going to say it. And you've got this presentation and you're going to ask them for X amount of money. It's not always those visits that produce the best results. It can happen that way for sure. But even something like thanking a donor for a gift that they just made and then scheduling a visit with them to get to know them better, something like that can produce incredible results. They're not always going to make a gift without you asking for it. But I think it just goes to show that a simple thank you, a simple phone call that turns into a visit, like you never know how that will, how that will end. A couple questions. You said, so you called him to thank him. Mm -hmm. And then do you recall how the visit got scheduled exactly? Like when you called him to thank him, what words were exchanged that led to y'all deciding to get to meet? Yes. So, and I, I should also clarify too, that he did not answer the first time. So I called him, I left a voicemail and I uh, just introduced myself and said, I was calling to thank him for his gift on North Texas giving day. Um, and then I called him again. Um, I think it was two days later and he answered that time. And I really, the, the, so the goal of even that phone call was yes, to thank him, but it was also to find out how he knew about birth choice because he wasn't in our database. I'd never seen his name before. So I just wanted to know how he learned about us. Um, and that's basically the words that I used to schedule the visit as well. I asked him um, some, something along the lines of, I would love to get to know you a little bit more and learn about how, um, you know, how you found out about birth choice and your heart for the pro-life mission. Um, would you have time for some coffee? And then I suggested a day and a time. Um, and that's really, I think, I think because it wasn't, um, it was a very casual phone call, you know, there wasn't a lot of pressure on it. It was pretty easy to get it scheduled. It didn't take a whole lot of um, you know, persuading or anything like that. He was really open because I didn't put, you know, 
I didn't put a lot of pressure on the conversation that we were going to have. Um, and then since then, we've had many conversations where I've asked for um, larger gifts. Um, but that the fact that I think our kind of first visit together was a more laid back one was really helpful in establishing our relationship. And about how much, so he gave a thousand dollars on mm-hmm. North Texas giving day. And that was about like a mm-hmm. year, a little more than a year ago or. Yes. Um, like yeah. Within the like past that, two yeah. years. Yes. Past, yes. And about how much has he given since then? Combined. Mm-hmm. So he's probably in, in the range of, 25,000 at least a year. Now it won't always be like, sometimes he's splitting it up with, you know, for different things and different projects. Um, but yeah, probably around 25,000 a year. Okay. Yeah. And so the reason I bring it up is just so these types of things are so important because if you haven't seen it, you don't really like, you don't get how these things work, but it's just the simple thank you call followed up with another call has led to significant giving when many times most people just won't make the thank you call and it, and nothing comes of it. And so that, you know, people first gift is not uh, an indicator of their capacity. It's not if somebody gives a thousand dollar first gift, it's like, Oh, well that's, that's what they do that they, they want the relationship. And so many times people have told me that uh, like I was having Uh, coffee with a benefactor a few months ago and he was telling me that i'm the only person he's ever visited with he gives to several organizations but not a single one has ever asked to meet with him and so it's just you being the person who goes to see these people makes just makes you way higher in their list of priorities because you value them so sorry i interrupted you with my various questions you were about to tell another story no, that's fine. Um, the other, I mean, it's a, it's honestly a similar story in the sense that it, so it was the same North Texas giving day and, um, someone made a $250 gift and I actually knew her, but she had never made a gift to birth choice before. So again, I called her to say, thank you. And she, um, she told me that she's been meaning to mail a check to birth choice. So, and I think, I think for her pro-life, Um, that, that mission had always been important to her, but she had never, she had just never connected really with a pro-life organization, but, um, we knew each other. So I think it be, I think through birth choice, she really just started to get more involved. So she made it that gift on North Texas, giving a $250, then told me she meant she had been meaning to mail me a gift and she sent a $10,000 check after that. So it's really similar to that other story. Um, but she made a much smaller gift initially. And I think, again, it just goes to show like, and, and obviously it depends on your organization. It depends on the size of your, of your, um, office, but for birth choice, I have, I can call the person who made a $250 gift to thank them. And this was specifically, you know, a day dedicated to giving. So my whole day was focused on, on this anyway, um, and so one of my goals was just to make sure that I was calling everyone and in real time too. So as soon as I saw that they made the gift, I would give them a call. Um, and then since then, so she gave $10,000 that year and then gave $20,000 the next year. Um, so these are, I think, just good examples of how starting, starting off, like, don't, don't think that a thank you call just because you're not, you're not planning to ask for $5,000 or $10,000 during that thank you call is not like a good major gift task. You know, like it's a good thing to have on your to-do list, even if the direct result of that phone call, you're not planning to have it be an ask, you know, um, because you just never know, like a thank you call can mean so much to someone. And the conversation that you have during that call or during a visit that you schedule to meet with them, you know, to, to meet with them later, that can turn into something much bigger than you would have expected. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean the, the asking for the gift is incredibly important, but it's a tiny, tiny percentage of the actual time spent uh, on the relationship. So 
yeah, all those things. Thank you calls. Thank you notes are, are super important. So that's awesome. Any other, uh, I, I have some specific questions of stories, but anything else come, come to mind that you'd like to share? There are probably stories that you're planning on asking me about anyway. So you can, you can go first. And then if there's something I want to, I feel like I need to say, I will. You might not want to sh- share this one, but there was a time when you asked someone for a gift that was much larger than uh, they had the capacity or the ability to give. Uh, would you like to share that story? <laughs> Yeah, that's on my list. It's okay. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm gonna share this story because I, I it's important for so many reasons, both both in terms of the mistakes that I made preparing for the visit, but also in the results of what happened from what like what would have been kind of like a textbook bad visit, you know, um, but what really resulted from it. So. We birth choice was pursuing this project, um, and I I was asking um, this couple that we had gotten to know fairly well um, for basically a leadership gift. It was a six figure gift to kind of um, fund most of the project, but also just to kind of get the ball rolling um, for birth choice. And so the the mistake that I made so I. I asked them, we had this visit. It was a really great conversation. They were so excited about the project. And then I asked them to basically, um, you know, fund this first part. And it was a very quick, no, we can't do that. And they were really sorry, but it, it, this wasn't like, oh, we're already giving to other organizations. Like this was not, they just weren't able to give a gift of that size. Um, I was very, I felt really awkward about it. Obviously, it's not fun to ask for a gift that someone um, not just like isn't willing to do, but they just couldn't do it. So that was a bit uncomfortable. But we had also gotten pretty close with them. So I was really worried that it was going to negatively affect the relationship. That was a huge concern of mine. Um, So the mistakes that I made leading up to it, for sure, were that I had not really, I had met with um, it was, this is a husband and wife, and I had met with each of them a few different times, but I had never really asked the probing questions that I should have to know whether or not um, that was an amount they could do. I had really just gone off of assumptions, which is not a good thing to do in development. Um, so that was, I think, when I that was the visit that really showed me how important questions during other visits during that during the visit where you're making an ask for sure but also during other visits where you're more so getting to know the benefactor how important those questions are and I just hadn't asked the right ones um so that's definitely that yeah that was pretty enlightening a little uncomfortable but what I will say and what I think is one of the most important things I learned from that visit is our relationship was not outside of my ego. It was not negatively affected at all. I mean, they were, they continued to be super involved. Um, the wife actually served on, um, a committee for an event we did and she was really involved and, um, you know, spent, she and I spent a lot of time together. Um, and we're, I mean, I'm friends with that family now. So I think, it's important to realize, and I think you've even talked about this in another episode of your podcast, but it's important to realize that even when you do something like that, like ask a benefactor for a gift that they just can't make, it's not that it ruins the relationship. And I think the mistake that I could have made that I thankfully didn't was I was too embarrassed to reach out to them again, um, or I was too embarrassed to like, you know, invite her to be on the committee. Like if I had let the kind of embarrassment and the discouragement from that visit, um, make me not like continue that relationship. Um, because you just never know. I mean, you never know where they'll be five years down the line. Maybe they will be at a place where they can give a gift like that. So it's important, I think, to not just take a no and, and, and kind of draw, like connect the dots for yourself that that means the relationship's over. That's not the way it works, you know? Um, so I think that was, yeah, that was a really important lesson for me to understand that I have to kind of get over the sometimes, you know, um, discouragement or embarrassment that can happen from a visit that doesn't go the way you expected it to 
and be willing to, you know, just kind of humble myself and keep the relationship going in spite of that, if that makes sense. This may be the third time I've mentioned it in uh, six episodes, but Grant Cardone says that there's never one thing you can do to blow a deal. It's only the things that you don't do. So exactly what you said. You can you can ask for a completely uh, inappropriate amount, and but that but that won't stop them from giving. The thing that will stop them is if you go, oh man, I must have. I'm so embarrassed. I'm just gonna never bring up money again. That's that's what leads to them never giving. So I think that's a really important point. And one other question: Can you share? So you said you assumed. You made some assumptions. Why did you assume they had yeah, the capacity so I, to give a gift of that size? I had assumed it um, just based off, based off of some small things that had been discussed in previous visits um, that where I kind of like, I made a conclusion way too early. Like they said this thing. And so then I just kind of made a conclusion too quickly. Um, not Not taking into account other things that may go that may be going on in their lives that would prevent that amount from being, you know, an appropriate one to ask for. Um, but the the main thing that I did honestly was I listened to other people tell me about how how what they thought their capacity was. Um, instead, so what that did in this scenario, what that did is it made me feel more secure and like where I thought they were financially and not ask the questions I needed to ask because I thought I already knew based off of what a few other people had said. Um, And so I felt confident instead of where I normally am in a visit where I'm getting to know people and I'm trying to understand better where they might be in their lives. I kind of jumped ahead because I, I thought I had checked all those boxes already, if that makes sense. There was a visit you went on with a woman and she wound up bringing yes. a guest along yeah, with her. Yeah, I do. Do you recall do. Um, that experience? <laughs> yeah. Would you like to share Yeah. That? Okay. So this was a woman um, that I met through um, a board member. And she, I, anyway, I had met with, I had given her a tour of the clinic um, first. And that's, I mean, I will say that's a big blessing about um, being in development at a place like Birth Choice. You have something really concrete to show um, a a prospective benefactor. I can give them a tour and show them what we're doing. So that's always, that's like one of the very first steps um, that I try to do. So I gave her a tour that went really well. And she had a really, um, you know, personal reason that she was so passionate about the kind of work that we do here. Um, And then I met with her again And this time I was planning um, to make an ask. And it was something that I was really confident by, you know, because of other conversations we had had, I was really confident that she'd be able to make a gift of this amount. Um, But she brought her assistant with her, her personal assistant with her. And I, it just immediately, I mean, it just, I didn't really know what to do. And it totally unsettled me because I didn't know if it was appropriate to ask for, you know, a gift in front of this personal assistant. I didn't, I, I thought, you know, I'm, I was overthinking it completely. And I thought maybe she brought this person to kind of dissuade me from asking for a gift because it would make me uncomfortable. So I'm going the whole lunch. I'm just completely distracted, not knowing how I'm going to get through this. Do I just not make the ask? Do I make the ask and just kind of risk it? I, I really didn't know what to do. And um, the funniest part of the whole thing though, is that this woman had development experience. So I I make the decision mentally, I'm not going to ask for the gift. I just don't want to risk, you know, doing something inappropriate. But she had development experience. So towards the end of the visit, when she kind of realized I wasn't going to ask for the gift, she said, um, you know, my one piece of advice for you going forward is always come with an ask. And it just kind of hit me then I was like, oh, shoot, I had one. And I, I basically said that, I mean, in much more you know, professional terms, but I basically told her, well, I actually had one and I just didn't know. (laughs) I didn't know if this was the right time. I didn't know if this was the right visit. Um, And she she told me that she brings her personal assistant with her when she's planning to give 
money, basically. So it made a lot of sense in retrospect, but honestly, I just didn't know. Yeah, I just didn't really know what to do in a situation like that. And I think in retrospect, I'm glad I'm glad that I didn't assume that it was okay because I would much rather risk I would much rather risk not getting a gift to birth choice when I wanted to get a gift to birth choice than risk ruining a relationship by making an ask at an inappropriate time for the benefactor. So I'm glad that I risked the one and not the other. Um, But it was a good, I think for me, it was good insight into how, um, you know, how some people with capacity uh, kind of go about their giving, you know, some of them have, you know, a personal assistant that comes alongside them because they're the ones that keep track of, you know, their financial support to organizations. So that it was good insight um, into the different types of visits that, um, that I could go on. One of the reasons I wanted you to tell that story is because things like that happen where we get into a situation where we have a kind of plan of what we want to happen, but then something gets thrown in that we a variable we did not know even existed beforehand. And so now there's this other person and I agree with you. It's way better to, you never want to just like plow through and just say, I'm going to ask them for a gift no matter what. Um, and so that's really good. One thing uh, I think I might've told you this back when it happened, but to anyone, if you ever are in a situation like that, you can just simply ask them something like, Hey, I was planning on talking to you about philanthropy or giving or whatever you want to say. I didn't know your assistant was going to be here. Is it all right if we had that conversation in front of her? And they'll just go, no, I'm glad you asked. I don't want to talk about that in front of her. Or they'll say, yeah, that's why she's here. Um, And so asking, I have found that asking permission to do things is extremely helpful because then once they give you permission, it's like uh, all in. So yeah, definitely respecting the the benefactor's wishes and just assuming that they want confidentiality. Yeah, I remember when I shared that story with you, um, you you had said that exact thing to that it's okay to kind of ask permission for talking about philanthropy. And I I wish that I would have known that prior because it would have that's exactly the kind of question that I needed to ask, but I was so distracted by the situation that it wasn't, I, I didn't even think of asking a question like that, but then going in and, and this didn't, a situation like that didn't really happen again, to be honest. But if it had, I would have no, I wouldn't have been so shaken by the unexpected and I would have known, okay, there's a question that can help me make that transition and feel more confident bringing up philanthropy because they've officially given me permission. So I think having questions like that kind of in your tool belt are helpful because then, okay, you can kind of, you know, be, um, you uh, be in an unexpected situation, but you kind of have these sorts of questions that help you kind of, you know, get level headed again and kind of stop kind of being in your own head and your own thoughts and doubts. So yeah, I think I think that's really helpful for especially people who are newer in development where it's not coming as naturally to them. Have these sorts of questions in your mind, be comfortable enough asking them so that in situations like that, um, you kind of have a go to you have something that you can say instead of just, um, well, I guess I won't make the ask then because I don't want to offend. You know? Right. Right. Because so this is one of the reasons I think listen to these stories is so valuable because you can get this experience um, like on the, on the job, just learning it. But if you can know it beforehand, when you get into the situation, it's so helpful. So what, what you were talking about when, when the assistant was there, you were just like, I know exactly how you, you feel because yeah, I've yeah, been there. Yeah. It's just like the only thing you can think about now. It's like, like what, what am I supposed to do? And you're trying to, you're trying to pay attention to them. And then you're trying to work through all these different scenarios and when should you bring it up? What should you do? Um, whereas when you've been in it before or you kind of know the answer, you don't have to think about it. You can just be present. Um, and so, I mean, there was <laughs> one in particular, there was uh, someone I was meeting with. Uh, I had planned to ask him for a $250,000 gift and I was meeting in his office and, but he had just brought like 
six other people from his office just hanging out in his in his big office like on his team <laughs> and we're all just hanging out like talking about random stuff and and we're all sitting there just kind of eating lunch and then he's like so 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 I know you're here you wanted to show me something right Kevin and I was like yeah but it involves uh it's a report, but it details like how much money you've given to heroic media and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, is it okay if I share that in, in front of these people? And he was like, of course. He's like, I want them. I want them to see what I'm doing here because I want them to be generous too. And so then we just had this, well, like one person stayed and everyone else scurried out the room because <laughs> I think they thought it was going to be awkward. Um, and, and so we just wound up having the, the visit with other people there and asked for the gift and the timing was not right. Um, so we're still working on that, but, um, yeah, you just never know what people are going to want to do. So I, yeah, that's a, that's a good story. And, and I don't think you finished. You did ask for the gift. Yes. Yeah. So I did ask for the gift and she said yes. Um, and it was, I, I think this happens with um, a lot of uh, people, again, especially if you're new in development. And this is something I really had to learn. But this was one of those situations where she said yes. Um, but there was a lot of follow up that happened before she actually made the gift. And I know that that's not uncommon, but I think that's another important point is that the follow up you can't, you can't assume, I mean, most of these people that you're meeting with probably are extremely busy and have a lot on their plates. And you can't assume that they're going to remember that because they said they're going to give you this gift, that they're going to give it the next day. So I had to be really intentional about following up with her. Um, and it probably took a few months, um, before that gift actually came through. So, she, yeah, she said yes to the gift and, um, and she ended up making it, but there was a lot of follow-up in between that visit. And when, you know, the gift actually came in. Nice. Yeah. That, that's very common. It's, it's rare that someone just, you know, you leave the visit and then while you're there or an hour later, they go online and give the gift. So follow-up, follow-up is key. Um, what about either the worst visit you've ever um, been on? Okay. Or the I'll do visit? <laughs> I have a different one for each and they're both embarrassing in different ways, but I'll do, I'll do the worst first because I think it's more like uh, educational. Like there's more to learn from it. And the funny is it is just incredibly awkward, but um, so um, the, the worst visit. And again, I'm saying worst um, kind of in the same way that that six figure gift um, that I asked of the couple who just couldn't make a gift of that size. And it's, this visit is, bad in the same way that that visit was bad, where there were things that I did that were wrong, but the visit itself. Um, and I think you even said this to me, Kevin, after I, I called you about one of them, it wasn't, the visit wasn't bad. It didn't get the results I maybe wanted, but the visit wasn't bad. It was a good visit. It was a good touch point. So this is similar, but anyway, there was, um, this man that I was meeting with for the first time and he had given, um, you know, a thousand dollars to birth choice. I think, a couple of different times. Um, and I, I was going to ask him for a, an increased gift of an amount that I felt comfortable asking for. Um, but I, I really didn't know him a whole lot yet. So it was kind of, in my opinion, it was this sort of shot in the dark, hope he can do this, um, kind of visit. So I meet with him and he's, um, it was kind of a series of unfortunate events. We met at a Starbucks and he only liked, um, drip coffee, but their drip coffee was out, which is shocking for a Starbucks. So then, and then he didn't want anything. So then I just like felt bad and kind of awkward about that. So I think it immediately was just kind of, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just felt, I'm going to order well, lunch I over ordered here. Before yeah. him because he was a gentleman and he let me order first. So I, and, and anyway, so it was just really uncomfortable. And I think I think things like that, like when, when something like that happens in a visit, it's really easy to let it distract you. And then you start thinking, well, this is off to a really bad start. And then you just kind of, you're not really present, kind of what you were saying, where you're just not really present with the benefactor. And that's definitely what happened to me. It just got me off on the wrong start. And I started getting discouraged and, oh, the visit's already bad. And we haven't even like sat down. Um, so that was unfortunate because that was definitely, it, I was kind of in my own headspace there. Um, 
But anyway, so we're talking through this. Um, I have a presentation on, on an iPad that I shared with him. And we're talking through it, kind of sharing a bit more about what birth choice does. And he had a couple of challenging questions for me. Um, and his big concerns were ones that I, I had definitely heard before about why, um, you know, pro-life organizations in Dallas weren't more connected. Like, why isn't there kind of an umbrella organization? Wouldn't it be more effective? So questions like that. He asked a couple questions about our financials. Um, and I, I just... I kind of made these assumptions that he didn't really, he wasn't really that passionate about birth choice. This wasn't really, he said he was really passionate about pro-life, but I thought, oh gosh, maybe birth choice isn't the organization because he was just kind of gruff and asking hard questions. Um, but, you know, I was really, I was kind of like channeling my inner Kevin and I was like, well, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna ask for the gift anyway. So I did, I asked him for $5,000 and he told me, you know, actually, I was thinking more like 10. But since you asked for five, I'll give you five. And, and I, I, I just immediately, um, I didn't even really know what to say. I mean, what do you say after that? I don't know. But it was, it was, again, I think one of those really good lessons for me, where I kind of psyched myself out. And I, and, and I will say, like, leading up to when I was actually asking him for the gift, I was expecting him to say no to even 5,000 because I just didn't feel like the visit went well. Um, but this is one of, this is like the perfect example of how it's not, it's not about you. It's about the benefactor. And I was paying too much attention to myself and how uncomfortable I felt and how he, you know, oh, I'm so used to benefactors being really interested and what we're doing and like just being positive and like kind of praiseworthy of the work that birth choice does. Whereas he was more of a challenger kind of. Um, but if I had been really paying attention to what he was saying, he cared just as much as those other people. He was just asking different kinds of questions. So then I could have, and, and then I could have asked, you know, him the right questions to understand that, Oh, maybe he can actually do more than 5,000. Um, but I just kind of psyched myself out from the moment that he couldn't get his drip coffee. I just assumed that the visit was kind of shot and I didn't really make an effort. Like, you know, it was, I, I just didn't really make an effort to do what I should have done because I just assumed that it was going poorly. Um, so I think that's, it, it's an important lesson because I think we can get really, again, especially if you're new to development, you can get really insecure when thing, when a visit isn't going the way that you're envisioning. Um, that can be a real discouragement. Um, and that's okay, but you have to be able, you have to know how to get out of that space of insecurity and to just be present and just really listen to the benefactor and not worry about your own ego. Um, and that was one of those visits where I did not do that successfully. I was just too concerned um, about the negatives. So well, at least you asked for the gift. That is. I did. And I, I did get, I mean, the result was technically what I went in there for. So it's not like he gave less than I was hoping, but um, yeah, just a really, yeah, just a good lesson in kind of that slice of humble pie. Like, wow, I was not paying attention um, because I could have read signs that there was more there. So, yeah. Yeah, that's the kind of thing. It's like if you're, <laughs> if you were gonna give more, if I would have asked for more, just don't tell me. That's <laughs> just like yeah, I know, I know, I know. Because now I have like a few things to be worried about. Like if you had just said yes, no problem, I would have been like, oh great, oh my gosh, the coffee didn't affect anything. But and I was gonna give fifteen thousand if they would have had yeah. my dang drip coffee. Yeah, exactly. Oh man. Before we forget, you mentioned this. You noticed the anonymous shout out you got in one of the earlier episodes of the podcast uh you are you're the only person i've ever met who's told me that they asked for a gift and someone gave more than that so could you could you tell us about how that happened yeah so if i'm being perfectly honest it's actually happened a few different times um so i think but i think the biggest um like the, the, the story that's probably the most important of the couple of times that it's happened is with, um, this one man, um, that I had met with quite a few times, but I was really just trying to get to know him because he hadn't been involved in birth choice at all. And he was just an introduction from someone else, um, who didn't give me any sense of because the person who um, introduced me to him over email was not one of our benefactors. It was just someone who is involved in a different way in what birth choice does. So I really didn't have much information about him. So I'd met with him a number of times. 
Um, he had never made a gift to birth choice before. So I decided to ask him for $5,000. And uh, this, again, was not our first visit. It was probably our third, maybe. And I had never asked him for a gift before. And he he actually kind of laughed at me. And he said, thanks so much for taking me to lunch for $5,000. And said, um, of course, you know, of course, I'll send you a check. Um, again, there was a lot of follow-up. And what ended up happening probably five, no, maybe maybe more like four months later, um, he called me. And he said, hey, I just want you to know there's twenty five thousand dollars coming from our fund at, you know, such and such place. Yeah. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah. Which was crazy. And I think it's a good it's a really good example. Obviously, this turned out well for me, of course, but there was still something I did wrong, which was that I wasn't really asking him the right questions. And I think I tended to do this a lot with um, with birth choice, where if it was a person who hadn't given to us before, I kind of created this arbitrary threshold in my mind of like what their first, their first gift couldn't possibly be above this amount if they had never supported birth choice before. And I didn't, it's okay to create a threshold like that if you're creating it off of information they've given you, but I wasn't. I just had this idea in my mind that if he's never given before, he's not going to give more than $5,000. So I just kind of assumed regardless of his capacity that his first gift would never go above this amount. Um, and that was wrong. I mean, I shouldn't have done that. And again, obviously, there, I hesitate to tell stories like this, because it's definitely not a recommendation to ask for a smaller amount, and then, oh, maybe they'll, you know, multiply it by five. Um, but I think he was just passionate enough and cared enough about what we were doing that, um, you know, and, and I think there were some I think there were some circumstances in his in his life that made, you know, a big jump like that possible. Anyway, um, but the same, the other stories that I have are the exact same sort of story, different, you know, not like the particulars, um, but the general idea where I was, I was assuming um, that, you know, oh, because this was their last gift, they certainly won't go above this, you know, a donor that maybe had made a gift of, you know, a thousand dollars, like, well, they're definitely not going to increase it, you know, past 5,000 or something like that, where I just... I was creating, um, again, like an arbitrary threshold based off of an assumption instead of actually asking them the right questions and then hearing through what they were saying that actually their their capacity and their you know passion for birth choice was such that they would give a larger gift. So they're great stories for me, but they're not. It's definitely like not the way and for birth choice, but it's definitely like not the way that you should go about things. I think they're actually like examples of yeah, things I did wrong professionally. Yeah, but. that could be your uh, the title of your book, something like yeah. under asking leading to overgiving yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> a whole new strategy. I got sidetracked a little bit, but your funniest story. Oh, yeah. Okay, so this was, um, gosh, yeah, this was I. This was a visit I went on with um, again our former executive director because that was the connection. So he he met this. Um, gentleman at, it was either at an event or, or something like that. Um, so we invited him for a tour and then um, took him to lunch. And we went, we went to this place that had a really nice patio. It was kind of like a hip, cool place. And it had, a, you know, this great patio. It was a taco place. We thought we'd eat outside. And at the time, like when we got there, it was beautiful outside. Okay. But this gentleman, he's got, you know, a, the kind of job where he's wearing a suit and tie. And, uh, he, <laughs> it's just so I, I cringe thinking about this story. So anyway, so we, um, the executive director and I sat on one side of the table and the gentleman sat on the other side and very quickly, the sun just kind of started blaring. And this poor guy was just, he got, he started sweating so much. And I, I offered, um, it, it was just this uncomfortable situation where everyone kind of knew, like, he's probably extremely uncomfortable right now. And, but, but you don't want to draw attention to it. You know, it's the kind of, it's right, the thing right. where you're not sure, like, can I bring this up? Or, you know, it's like when someone has something in their teeth and you don't know whether or not you should say something. It was exactly that. And then at one point, the executive director offered to switch with him and he said he was totally fine. But it was just the whole visit. And it was, um, 
anyway, yeah. And it was, I mean, we were, we were hot too, but we just happened to be on the side, like where the building was blocking off some of the sunshine. So we were totally fine. But this poor man, I mean, this, the sun was just beating down on him in his um, suit. And it was, I mean, thankfully it wasn't, um, we weren't planning to make an ask again. This was one of those visits that was more of a getting to know you sort of visit. And I'm really grateful because yet again, that would have been the kind of situation where I got in my own head. It would have been the, like, we have no more good coffee at Starbucks. It would have been that exact same thing again, where I would have gotten into my own, my head about it. But, uh, yeah, that was just an uncomfortable visit. Um, tried to get in touch with him. No such luck, but that's okay. I think maybe he's so scarred. I don't know. Yeah. I've had another, like another visit with weather problems too, where we decided to sit outside, but it was really cold. And again, the executive director was there and they were fine. It was a gentleman. Um, and they were totally fine, but I was freezing, like shivering under the table and really trying to keep it under control, but I was so cold. Um, so anyway, yeah, it's, Got to be careful where you sit, I guess, is the moral of that story. Yeah. First off, I think we've all been in those awkward situations. But also what you mentioned, uh, seating is very important, like yeah. positioning yourself. Like you, it's always awkward if if there's two of you from your organization, you always want the two of you on one side and the the benefactor on the other side because then it, it just gets super awkward. Like if I've been in situations where like I'll be sitting here and then the benefactor will be sitting like to my side. And then someone else from our organization is across from the table. So they have to be like turning 90 degrees back and forth between us. And yeah, super awkward. It's actually, yeah, it's something that you think is trivial, but it's really not. And especially once I started sharing a presentation, even paying attention to the angle that the benefactor would have, and making sure that wherever I sat myself at the table, especially if there were multiple people, that they would have like the right angle to view the presentation. Um, something as simple as that is actually pretty important because it's it's again like it's putting the benefactor first and making sure that you're not so concerned with like your own comfort, but that you're making it as easy as possible for them to you know follow along with what you're saying or to see the presentation that you've given. You know, for you when you bring the impact report, like, you know, being able to like seat yourself such that sharing it is not um, awkward or, yeah, or something like yeah. that. So yeah, those, those little things are, are really important. And even like, I, I get really distracted visually. So like, if I'm, I, I always tried if possible, and this wouldn't always happen depending on like the layout of a room, of course, but I always tried to face myself away from the door to a restaurant, for example, because I would just get distracted by who's coming in. So little things like that are actually important. It's kind of like you have to know yourself well enough to know what what you need to do for your own sake to be able to focus. And then also like from the benefactor's perspective, um, what's the best arrangement? I know it sounds so silly, but it does matter. No, it's all one of the, you telling these stories reminds me of one of <laughs> One of my most awkward visits, and I, th I think I've told you about this before, but I was I was going to Houston and I was going to see, I had three like awesome visits lined up for this day. Yeah. It was two people that I was most likely going to ask for six figure gifts. And then a third person I'd never met who had just given a six figure gift to his alma mater. And, and he was on the board of another pro-life organization. And it's like, seemed like it was just going to be an awesome epic day and i had to leave i had to wake up at like i don't know like 3 30 or 4 in the morning to get to the airport uh to make this happen and so i was like super excited you know i never want to never want to miss my flight so i wind up waking up at like one in the morning and i can't go back to sleep and so now i'm just like okay well i'm a i'm awake and so i got like two or three hours of sleep and I've got this long day ahead of me. And so I go, I go meet with the first, I think one of the people canceled on me in the morning. And so that was a bust. And then I have, I'm just waiting around for this last meeting at four in the afternoon. And I go see this guy in his office and I'm so exhausted. Like I'm, <laughs> I've just been oh, drinking no. coffee all day long, but like, I am just a zombie and I get into <laughs> I get into his office and I'm showing him some stuff on my iPad. And at one point, 
like I'd shown him the very brief thing I showed people, but my iPad was still open facing him. And at the time, my cell phone was connected to my iPad and I'm just mumbling some, you know, sleep deprived words to him. And then he interrupts me and he goes, your mom's calling you. (laughs) It just says mom up on my, my iPad. And uh, so that was pretty funny. And then. And then as we're leaving the visit, he asks for my, he asks for my business card. So I give him my card and he gives me his, and I'm trying to put it into the inside pocket of my jacket. And I just, I try like three different times, but I just keep missing. I'm like, <laughs> oh man, it was so awkward. And uh, I, I think it's good. <laughs> like things like that are so helpful for other development professionals to hear. I think because like we, I think we assume that the benefactor wants us to be these super professional put together people. We make no mistakes. We yeah. never say you know, the wrong thing, you know, we're extremely just, you know, professional and and don't do anything wrong. But the reality is that if you're, and, and maybe some benefactors are actually like that, but if you're building a relationship with them and you're meeting with them multiple times, the chances are something like funny or awkward or not the way, you know, you expected it to go will happen. But I think those moments can be really helpful for them kind of relating to you more and and it kind of like lowering like a little bit of a wall you know as I'm the benefactor and you're the development professional and instead it's just like yeah I don't we're we're in this together kind of thing like I I think it can actually be really helpful towards building like a more genuine relationship and less of like the strictly professional I'm here to ask you for a gift kind of relationship right plus if nothing else it's memorable in exactly. some way and exactly. you know that guy probably went home to his wife and was like i met with the biggest loser today yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's his like oh well yeah. yeah his mom called him he like couldn't even put his card in his pocket yeah, yeah. uh but at, at least then she's like oh well <laughs> what uh what organization hired such a such a person as this and then and then he can at least tell them about about heroic media so exactly yeah it all works out any uh any final stories or closing remarks you'd like to share with people um gosh i mean there yeah there are just there's so many stories i think i've told kind of the biggest ones but I think especially since I haven't been in development all that long, it's not like I have, you know, all this professional experience. Um, I think like the biggest message I would want to send to people is to the people who are newer in the field and just kind of the like be more relaxed with yourself sort of. And you want to have high expectations for yourself, of course, and you want to, you know, kind of shoot for the stars. But I think it's really important to like stay grounded and remember why you're doing it. You know, for, for me, it's this pro-life mission that's so important to me and so close to my heart and my family's heart. Um, And then also like, you know, to always put the benefactor first, it's not about you. It's, it is about your organization, but it's more about your benefactor and you know, the opportunities that you can bring to your benefactor through the organization. So I think that takes a lot of pressure off when we stop focusing on ourselves and on being successful and on, you know, getting this gift by the end of the visit. Um, those are, you know, sub goals for sure. But when you kind of prioritize and focus on the right thing, which would be the benefactor, um, I think the visits are just a lot more successful because then you're not getting, you um, you're not getting stressed out when the benefactor can't get his coffee because that's not what we're here for. You know, we're not actually here to have coffee. We're here to talk about how you can get involved um, with birth choice. So that's what I would say, I think, is to just, um, yeah, to not put that pressure on yourself to have everything go perfectly. And when you start, I think things go better and more perfectly when you're thinking about the benefactor instead of yourself and even the visit itself, you know. Yeah, that's exactly it. I love it. Well, thank you, Val. It was great having you on the show. And I think people are, I think people are really going to relate to a lot of the stories you shared and especially just 
doing all this with a with a with your son just right down the hall or with you on visits i think that's really encouraging for everybody out there so thank you so much for being here yeah thanks for having me kevin that was val herbachik from birth choice of dallas if you found this episode valuable please subscribe to the show and leave a rating and review in apple podcasts if you'd like to stay up to date on the show You can like One Visit Away on Facebook or connect with me, Kevin Fitzpatrick, on LinkedIn. If you really want to help the show grow, please personally share this episode with other development professionals. I hope you enjoyed Val's encouraging and entertaining words and are inspired to schedule more visits. After all, you're just one visit away from growing a relationship from a few hundred dollars in giving to tens of thousands of dollars for your organization.